Steve Kalkanis, uh, President of the Congress of Neurological Surgeons. I'm the CEO of the Henry Ford Medical Group, Chair Emeritus of the Department of Neurosurgery here at Henry. You are listening to Interview with the Surgeon with the Surgeon Agent. On this episode of Interview with the Surgeon, we welcome Dr. Stephen Kalkanis, CEO of the Henry Ford Medical Group and Senior Vice President and Chief Academic Officer. Dr. Kalkanis works to advance the health system's academic mission, including the development and growth of all research and medical education programs. An internationally recognized brain tumor expert, Dr. Kalkanis currently serves as President of the Congress of Neurological Surgeons, the largest association of its kind. In 2018, he was also named the Director of the American Board of Neurological Surgery, the official accrediting and credentialing body for all neurosurgeons practicing in the United States. Actively involved in clinical trials and research, he leads a transitional research laboratory investigating the molecular genetic differences between short and long-term brain tumor survivors with the goal of refining future personalized medicine treatment protocols. He has also served as a visiting professor and guest lecturer for more than 100 national and international audiences and has authored more than 150 peer-reviewed publications. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Interview with the Surgeon. Today, we welcome Dr. Stephen Kalkanis, CEO of Henry Ford Medical Group. Doc, how are we doing today? We're doing great. It's great to be in neurosurgery, especially this year and every year. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us. So let's just jump right into it. What were your goals and aspirations during your residency, and how did those change during your fellowship? You know, from a young age, I was fascinated with the brain, knew I wanted to go into medicine, but in medical school, uh, like so many of my colleagues, I, I shadowed a surgeon who uh, just changed my world. I, I saw a case of a young woman who was going blind because of a brain tumor and saw what an intervention could achieve. I saw the, at the time, what was then space age technology in the OR, saw the results. And I thought, you know, gosh, if I can do this, I could really make an impact. And unlike other areas of medicine, the brain is still a black box. And, and so if you're interested in innovation or discovery or the, the proverbial new frontiers in medicine, that, that's the place where you can really, really make a difference for, for patients. And, and, and also because of the disease, disease entities that we treat, uh, this is making a difference between walking or not, or seeing or not, or, you know, being a productive member of society or being really impaired. And I thought, you know, this is really worthy of, of, the challenge and, and the commitment that it takes over many years to get there. So during residency, I wanted to be technically uh, the, the best surgeon I could. I wanted to understand the, the challenges. And I, I also was very interested in research, trying to figure out where I could make a difference, which, which questions were most relevant to ask and, and what it would take to, to get there. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful to my mentors. Mentorship is everything in this profession. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I remember from very early on wanting to get into the OR and, and, and understanding every last bit about the anatomy, but also the function. And, and I think that, you know, what I tell people today is that no matter what, make sure you have a passion for this, because in the end, that, that, that's what's going to drive, uh, drive success. So kind of going through your fellowship, can you take us through your mentality heading into your first job search and how that perspective changed in the beginning years of your career? Sure. So within neurosurgery, and, and this is one of the beauties of the profession, is that there are so many areas of focus. You can be a general neurosurgeon and serve communities where you have the respect of, of your colleagues and patients because of what you do. You can subspecialize and go into spine or vascular or tumor or pediatrics and functional. And for me, I was always fascinated with uh, 
the challenge of cancer and, and for brain tumors in particular, uh, really like uh, the, the opportunity of precision medicine and molecular genetics. So for me, uh, my subspecialty training was in, was in neurosurgical oncology. And when you go through that process and then start looking for jobs, uh, I remember feeling like it was such a daunting task because you have to sort of uh, be true to yourself in terms of your academic goals, but then try and match what you want versus what is available out there and what's being advertised in, in a position. Uh, I wanted to go into academics, but I think that there are many options today that sort of combine private practice and academics and sort of very uh, interesting hybrid models. But at the time, um, I, I really was um, in this, this mode of, okay, you know, I'm in academics and, and, and here's what I have to do. And, and that's great, but I would tell people today uh, to be flexible in your thinking and also realize that you have a lot more power uh, than you actually realize when you're looking for that first job because you are an undifferentiated stem cell. You're all potential. You, you've put in you know, seven plus years of subspecialty training and don't underestimate the immense opportunity you have to, you know, hospitals want neurosurgeons, you know, healthcare systems uh, really value, we have an outsized influence uh, based on our small size, but because of the nature of what we do, uh, we're very valuable. And I don't just mean monetarily, I mean, in terms of reputation and, you know, building, you know, a whole team. And so I had great mentors at the time who really uh, helped shape that thinking and and also neurosurgery is very, very hierarchical. You know, you start as a, as a medical student and then a junior resident, a senior resident, chief resident. And that jump to being an attending for your first job is, is almost uh, clouded in, in this, this concept of, well, you know, you still have a superior and you should be very grateful for the opportunity. That's true. Humility matters. But you also have to uh, not be afraid to put yourself out there. And just because something isn't listed in a job description, uh, one of the best pieces of advice I was given is tell them what you want. Tell them what you can offer. And, you know, everyone has an idea if you're a hospital or a department, but they also want the best people. And if you show energy and passion and enthusiasm and humility and show what you can do, they might, you know, create a job that, that's tailored to you. And so don't, don't sell yourself short. And, and I think for me, that was a great piece of advice. Throughout your career, did you ever consider going private practice or are you academic focused all the way? Um, I did consider it for a brief time uh, because I love building things. I, I love, you know, the, the concept of, uh, you know, understanding the importance of, of market share and, and, and drawing in patients. Um, but at the end of the day, I was really driven and, 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 and really wedded to, to, to the research aspect of neurosurgery, because for me, that was such a big part of why I went into the profession. So uh, I, I was uh, very academically focused. But I think the secret to being successful in academics is to have a, a lot of private practice mentality. You can't be uh, you can't just be um, satisfied with whoever comes in the door. You have to, to pound the pavement and understand what referring physicians want. You have to know how to collaborate with others in the community and be that source for that expert opinion without alienating people. And I think that, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from my private practice colleagues who, who really understood that. But when you can do that in an academic setting, uh, I think that that's a winning uh, combination for success. Can you briefly touch on your journey on how you became the CEO? 
Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, didn't, I didn't start out thinking I, I would, uh, you know, be the CEO, but uh, it, 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 it's a long answer to a short question, but it has to do with mentorship at an early age. And I think that um, in our profession in particular, it matters. You know, neurosurgery is the tip of the spear. And what, what we do and the decisions we make often have a greater influence when you compare us to our, our small size, but yet uh, it matters for a health system. And so um, early on, I was encouraged to get involved in national neurosurgery. And, you know, there was an opportunity to, to write some guidelines and, and to figure out what best practices were. And I didn't really know anything about it at the time, quite frankly, but I was given the opportunity. You know, I raised my hand and said, yes, I'll, I'll do it. I was available. I was enthusiastic. And, and be careful what you wish for, because that one opportunity to have a seat at the table and to say, yes, I'll contribute to something that was important to the profession, really without any personal gain. In fact, it, it took away from my practice for a time. Um, that then led to countless other opportunities. Say, you know what, um, Steve did, did, did a decent job with that. Let's ask him to do this. Or, you know what, um, Henry Ford, gosh, I know Steve Kalkanis, and Henry Ford should be a site for our clinical trial. And then one thing leads to another and, you know, uh, I was able to, um, you know, be selected after a search to be chair of the department at a relatively early point in, in, in my career. And, and I think that gave me a, a taste of how I could impact a, a broader uh, swath of our, of our community here, both regionally and, and locally and nationally. And, and we built a service line that then changed the way our entire system uh, dealt with uh, with subspecialty medicine. And we were able to bring other people into our group and really create uh, something pretty exciting when, when you think about the changes in stroke and in spine and everything that rolled up into neuroscience. And so when there was an opportunity at Henry Ford to, uh, to take the lead job for our medical group, uh, you know, I was asked to apply and, and I had many second thoughts because again, my whole goal was, was to be a brain surgeon and to, to operate. And I'm happy to say uh, now that COVID is slightly calming down, I'm, I'm back into the operating room a little bit more regularly, not, not to the point I was before, but I'm seeing the ability to make, make changes and, and to contribute uh, on, a, on a different level. And so uh, instead of uh, you know, 25 neurosurgeons, I've got 2000 docs from all different specialties, but um, understanding the, this concept of servant leadership and, and you know, working for my colleagues and not the other way around, I think that that has been, um, that, that has been a, a great mantra for, for me. What would you say were some of the keys to your success that shaped your early career as you climbed the top of your industry? I, I think that um, neurosurgeons are, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stereotypes and caricatures that, 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 that come with our profession. And I think that if you can be humble, if you can be, uh, empathetic. I, I think that, you know, everyone assumes, and, and it's critical to be clinically excellent, to, to have anatomic and technical prowess. Uh, you have to put your patients first, but you also have to be able to connect with people, and when, especially with patients, because when you're dealing with such life and death issues, th th they want to know that, that somebody truly cares. And I think that when you take it to a level of leading a department or an institution, people will join you and they'll, they'll make a decision to sign on to your uh, offer as opposed to a competitor because uh, 
they feel like you'll have their best interest at heart. And, and to me, uh, I learned that from some wonderful mentors early on, and I'm trying to pay it forward. But, but I think that, that that's a, a big, big deal that too often is overlooked and not enough people in our profession, I think, uh, have that. What advice do you have for the graduating resident fellows entering the professional job market for the first time? Uh, number one, be excited about your choice. You know, COVID has taught us that at the end of the day, um, the ultimate essential worker in our society is, is a doctor, it's medicine. And I think that there's no more heroic or noble or, or worthy calling, but it's a long road. And neurosurgery is the longest road within that. But um, the ability to have an amazing life and to do incredible things and to see the advantages of technology applied to what we do I mean, we, we are enjoying breakthroughs today that for a half century were not possible. And even five years ago, it would have been considered, you know, uh, science fiction. Today, it's a reality. So I think there's a, a, a momentum and an excitement in what we're doing in neurosurgery. So the first thing is embrace it. Be, be excited about your choice because it's the right one. The second thing is don't be afraid to shape a position when you're going to look for a job based on what you want. Just because someone doesn't offer a job or have a description that you think fits your particular niche, cold call someone, you know, have a mentor or have someone who, we all know someone in neurosurgery, it's a very small world, say, you know what, um, I, I have someone that you should really look at. And, and, and as soon as that door opens, walk through it and, and just say, hey, you know, I, I really uh, see a lot of uh, opportunity in your department and I think I could contribute in X, Y, and Z. And, and the answer may be, you know, I'm sorry, we just don't have an opening, but I, I can't tell you how many people who I've advised and who I know and even myself have hired people when I wasn't officially looking for, for you know, a position or um, when I thought I was uh, in need of, let's say, you know, a vascular person, but someone who was doing skull base came in and I thought, gosh, this is really an opportunity I can't, I can't uh, pass up. So, so be proactive. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Uh, the third thing is to um, really understand that you have tremendous value. And again, you, you can't be arrogant about it at all, but at the same time, uh, the worth of a neurosurgeon to a health system and to a department is significant. And to really, uh, you know, be that individual who has it all, uh, you know, wrapped up. If, if you want to do academics, I mean, there's a lot to academics that includes clinical research and bench research, translational research. Clinically, uh, you know, you, you have to be at the top of your game, but, but given that, um, you know, know that you should take the time to, to really think about what's going to make you successful in terms of protected time for academics or research or resources in the clinic or, you know, understanding the things that you would be responsible for because you would be surprised. Those who are thoughtful and passionate, not out of a selfish uh, reason, but, but to, to, to really paint the picture that here's what I need to make this department successful, I think that that would resonate very, very well. So, you know, be excited about your choice, put yourself out there and don't be afraid to uh, craft your own position and, and understand you're, you're coming from a position of strength, which is not always what residents who have been sort of very low on the totem pole and coming up through a very arduous process think of, but, but it's the truth. Seeing that the world is basically all virtual now and that a lot of these annual conferences have gone online, what advice do you have for the graduating class regarding the networking aspect to the outreach? 
This is something that we're actively looking at in the Congress of Neurological Surgeons. So I have the honor of being president of the CNS and we had the unprecedented, uh, unhappy news along with the ANS and all of our major societies uh, to cancel our in-person meetings. But we've been thrilled at the level of participation in webinars and in online uh, forums. At the end of the day though, uh, I believe that it was successful this year because we've had many years where people have known each other and they're just happy to see a familiar face and to interact. I think it's harder for newer graduates and people coming into the profession if you don't have that, that networking ability. And so we are looking at options for uh, local gatherings and, and smaller but more frequent uh, sessions where people can actually get to know each other. And I think we can, we can do that virtually to some extent, but we certainly hope in 2021 to come back to uh, a platform where we can be in person. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Interview with the Surgeon. Until next time, stay focused and keep following your dreams.